0: Supernatural living. What a wonderful description of what it means to be a Christian. Now, in one sense, I don't really agree with religion, especially if you think that religion is about us trying to come up to some kind of standard to organize ourselves in a a way that impresses God or other people. What we believe in as Christians who base our faith and life on Holy Scriptures and on the Gospel, what we believe in is that God supernaturally works in our lives that we can have a personal relationship with Him. Where God, who is nearer than hands and feet, can become as real to us, more real, than the person next to you or in front of you. God is spirit, therefore he's everywhere. But also, because he's spirit, he's not normally accessible to our human senses. That's where faith comes in. We don't see him, we can't touch him, but we can know him because there is an inner experience, a spiritual experience in which God's spirit connects with us and we get to know him Personally, Now, I, I don't quite know if this is really going to be a preach. I suppose it is. But what I feel inclined to do is to explain the gospel and explain it to people who perhaps want to understand but don't understand. And they say they don't understand. Also, I will try here and there to look at some of the problems that people face when they come to faith. But really, what I want to do is simply give you an explanation of what the gospel is. And it fits in so perfectly with the theme for these Sunday evenings, supernatural living. We need a supernatural work in our hearts to connect us to God. Now, I'm not saying that people who don't have that supernatural experience know nothing about God at all. I think most people would accept that there is something more, that there is a spiritual, transcendent realm. And this is kind of instinctive in the human heart. And because of that, they they are searching and, and wanting to find out does God really exist? If he does, what is he like? And so the starting point for this really is this beautiful creation. It's very clear that what we see around us is the handiwork of intelligence. There is design. And it's so logical that nothing that, has, that comes into being comes from nowhere. This beautiful universe has come into being, even scientists say that. And and therefore, it must have come into being by somebody who is intelligent and powerful enough to make it happen. But I just say that because there is this instinct that God exists and that he created us. And if he created us, then perhaps the most wonderful thing in all of life is to discover him and to discover the purpose for which he made us, and to be in alignment with him, not to be at variance or at odds with him. Now, straight away, one of the objections is, but, you know, I'm my own person. We talk about free will. I I must make my own decisions. I must direct my own life. And in a sense, that's true. Not totally, but in a sense, it's true because the Bible has given us free will. If his purpose is creating us in love that we might have in love and relationship with Him, that must be our choice. We must say, yes, I choose God. It's not something that has to be programmed like a robot so that we automatically do it because we've been programmed that way. No, there is this choice. Love always involves a choice. And if that choice is that we can say yes to Him, then also it must mean that we can say no And this is what is so awesome that God considers us in our dignity as human beings so precious that he will not override our choice, but he will keep on reaching out to us, speaking to us, sending testimony to us. Even, I dare say that this very message is part of God's plan to speak into into your life. I'm not claiming great things for myself by saying that. I'm speaking the words that Scripture has given, and and if this is God speaking, then it's God speaking to you. So, He will reach out to you, and it's, it's even more than that. Not just that He's reaching out to you, but He has actually come to sit where you sit, because you see, look, if God is spirit, how could we see him? But the point is, is that in Jesus Christ, God has come down to this earth in the person of Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully human, and shown us what God is like. Jesus said, look, he that has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, Jesus is the full and final living, embodied manifestation and expression of God, In the flesh. But it doesn't end there because the Bible also teaches us that Jesus had a mission and a purpose to declare the kingdom of God, to declare God's love, but also to pay the price that would remove the only barrier between us and God. And the Bible calls that sin. So let me turn to the scriptures. I want to read Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. I'm going to base what I say by way of this gospel explanation on you, but remember, my explanation to you, base it on this scripture, but remember, this has to be supernatural. This has to be connected to your spirit by the Holy Spirit. So, if you're open to that at all, then just open your heart and allow God to speak to you. For the wages of sin is death, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this verse comes in the middle of a a very long explanation of the gospel. And at some stage, you'll be able to go through all of that for yourself. But I just want to use this verse as a means of opening up your understanding to what the gospel is. A key word that occurs, first of all, is this word wages. Now, we know what wages are. We earn them. Uh, At the end of the month, we get our salary or the beginning of the month. And God may, (laughs) Lord, may that continue right throughout this crisis. But the wages, wages are what you earn. Wages are what you deserve. You've worked according to a contract or an agreement and you get paid for what you have done. And so that's positive when we're talking about earning our living. But when it talks about trying to earn our own salvation or earn our acceptance by God, then what we earn is not acceptance, but we earn what the Bible calls The Jew deserts for sin. In other words, what sin brings to us. Okay, so that's that second word. The key word, first word is wages. That's what we earn. And it's the wages of sin. In other words, what does sin bring into your life? What are the wages of sin? What does sin deserve? Now let me take this word sin. Now I find that a lot of people don't like that word, it's, it's too religious and, and it's, it sounds like it's too uncomfortable, um, but I'm not afraid to talk about sin and no Bible-believing Christian is ever afraid to talk about sin because we have the answer to it. We don't have to shy away from this word, we need to understand it, but also need to embrace it because all of us have sinned. And we therefore need God's forgiveness and God's salvation from it. So what exactly is sin? Sin is anything that detracts from God's glory, that falls short of who he is, that denies his nature, or that acts in a way that is outside his nature or at variance with his nature. And you might say, well, that's very egotistical. Well, if I was to say that, or any other human being was to say that, any government was to say that, what we say is right and you must obey us. When God says this is right and this is wrong, he's doing it by a different standard. He he never came into being. He always existed. He is ultimate reality. Therefore, He is the standard. His nature, His character. He is righteous. And He knows what is right and wrong. A lot of people are still trying to guess it. What is right, what is wrong. Some say this, some say that. Some say there's no such thing as right and wrong, really. But actually, the standard that is God Himself is the standard which is set for all of us. And remember, this is not just a set of rules and regulations, this is based on his nature, based on his character. Not only is God just and righteous, but he is holy and loving and true and faithful. Everything that is good comes from God. So God's holiness, God's righteousness, and even his very definition of sin is absolutely correct. And we have to agree to that before we can be saved. Because after all, what are we saved from? Now, I, I, I'm not criticizing people, but I've heard a lot of messages sometimes from preachers who say, God loves you, he has a wonderful plan for your life, and he it's, 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 it makes no demands on you, it's just about giving you a happy life, making you feel better, and accepting you without any sense of trying to correct you or to bring you out of the things which are causing you deep grief. And the root of those things is not the external. The root of those things is our inner rejection of God. So sin is anything that displeases God. Not because he's just in a bad mood and says, I don't like that get it out, I prefer this, don't do this, don't do that. No, no, it's based on his wonderful, loving, and glorious nature. But one thing you need to know about sin is that it produces something. Here, it produces wages, and the wages of sin is death. I'm going to come and explain that in a moment. The wages of sin, it produces something. So if you live under the power of sin, Your life is not only in bondage, but it will produce something. It will produce death. So, what is death? Okay? At a physical level, death is when your spirit is separated from your body. The key thought about death is separation. When our loved ones pass away, they're separated from us. Death, physical death, is when our spirit is separated from our body. However, the spirit continues to live. But it is not living free, doing its own thing. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that face judgment. And so death is more than physical. Death also is spiritual. Spiritual death is when we are separated from God. And until we come to know him, all of us born in sin, living in sin, we're living in separation. And this is where the gospel comes in. It is the heart of God reaching out to you as estranged children, people separated from him. And he is drawing you. He is wanting to bring you back home into a relationship with him. The the very thing that you were designed for. So that is spiritual death. But there's another level of this, and that's eternal death. If you die without Christ, having made your decision to reject him and keep him out of your life, then that death ends in eternal separation. And some people say, well, this is so unfair. Why would God separate us from him eternally? Well, the simple truth is this, and it makes absolute sense. If you don't want God in your life now... You are making a decision to separate him, and he will not override that. And so that's why it's so important to understand the gospel, ask questions about it, and when you have questions or objections, that's fine. I love it when people ask me questions and say, What about this? What about that? And any believer who knows the Bible would, would be so patient with you to sit down and explain it, not to try and make you believe something, but to answer your questions. And so when those objections are there, one of them is, how, why is God saying, love me, worship me, or I'll throw you into hell? Well, actually, the Bible never says that. The Bible says that your eternal separation is the result of what you have chosen to do all of your life. You've decided to keep God out of your life that you don't want him, you are hostile to him and where he lives is not a place where you will want to be. But know this, if you are separated from God who is life, all there is is death. If you separate yourself from the light, all there is is darkness. Now that is uh, is a lot more to it but that's just the beginning of an understanding. Uh, and, And the Bible talks about this as God's wrath. Again, this is a very unpopular word. You say God loves me, how can he be angry? I tell you what, the people who love you the most are people who are prepared to tell you the truth. The people who love you the most, they will often be angry. I mean, my mother and my father, my father's with the Lord, my mother is aged and she's critically unwell. But, you know, their anger at me at certain times was justified but it was an anger of love to wake me up and to try and bring me back to a a more sensible way of living in family. And so the separation that we're talking about is of our own choosing but God himself will honor it to the point of expressing his wrath and judgment and what is that? It is, is righteous, justifiable action in a certain situation when we have rejected him despite hearing about him. When we have allowed our own choices and the things that we would prefer to do for ourselves to keep God out of our lives. And this is all very sad and, and difficult and it's, it is a very bleak message But that is where the good news comes in. The background to the gospel is God's righteous reaction to us as sinners and we know that we've all sinned, we know that. We don't need a preacher to tell you that. You don't need church rules to tell you that. Every single one of us, we know that we've not come up even to our own standards, let alone the righteous standards of a holy God who in love has set these standards that we might know him and live in life and in joy and in fullness. So we've, we've gone quite far into this verse. The wages, what we earn through sin, is death, separation from God. Now then, if I just left it there, that we wouldn't have a gospel. All you've heard, you might say it may be true, but it's still bad news. But the gospel means good news. And notice that word. I will will say it to you and I will bring it out. For the wages of sin is death, but, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And it's this but that makes all the difference. Here is where the bleak news about the reality of our lost relationship with God is exposed. But we hear of God's love, of God intervening and saying, I'm going to make a way for you to return to me. And the problem is, of course, is our sin. God is so righteous and holy, the sin cannot stand in his presence. So he must deal with our sin. And there was only one way of doing that. And that is by sending somebody who would take that sin away. Jesus Christ our sin bearer we learned many years ago from Dr James Kennedy an illustration which was used in the evangelism explosion program and I I want to give it to you right now and, 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 and and show it to you so here we go we say let this hand represent my life and on it is the record book of my sin now up here is God And we we can't get to God because our sin is weighing us down. We can't can't get there. And if we could get there, it would only be to receive his righteous judgment concerning the sins of our lives. So what did God do? The Bible says God in his love came down in the person of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so now, Where is my sin? It's resting on Jesus. He took my sin. That means I am now free to enter into relationship with God. The Bible calls this the atoning sacrifice of Christ. He took your place and my place on the cross. And this is the only hope of heaven. if, if I was to die tonight or you were to die tonight and God was to say to us, why should I let you come into my heaven? What would you say? What would you say? If you'd say, well, I haven't done so badly. I've tried my best and I, you know, got, the church was so awful and I, I did what I could. And, but, you know, I wasn't so bad. The focus of that answer is you. You are trusting in yourself. But no matter how righteous or unrighteous we've been on the earth, the only argument that we can bring before God is, Lord, I have sinned, I have failed, but there's only one reason why you would let me in, and that is because Jesus took my sin and I put my trust in him. So it says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God. Now this is a contrast. Remember, wages are what you earn. So God is saying you can't earn your way to heaven. You can't earn your way to eternal life. It's impossible. There is no way that you could do enough to get you there 100% perfect. It's impossible. There's only one who is perfect and that's Jesus. That's why he could take our place on the cross and carry the death that was due to us so that we could have his life in us. So there's only one hope and it's good news. This is not last resort. There is only one hope and it is the best hope and the only hope of all and that is that Jesus Christ died for you and God has given you the invitation to receive his gift. Uh, And the way I'm extending my hands right now, I'm doing it deliberately. I'm seeking to represent the hands of God offering you a gift right there in your home, right where you are. It's a gift. Now, you have to receive it. Uh, You know, you you can have a gift and you you can reject it and say, okay, I know, I, I don't want it. But if you want it, it's yours. And you don't have to pay for it. In fact, you cannot pay for it. It would be an insult to God to try and pay for it. No, no. Jesus has already paid for it. And it's a free gift. The wages of sin, what you earn, will take you to death. But what you receive as a gift from God, the gift of life, will take you to heaven. It is the only way, because only Jesus has paid the price for our sin. It's the free gift of God. So... You know, a lot of people, they're quite prepared to talk about Jesus, but they say, well, this God thing. No, Jesus was a good teacher, but God, I don't like God. Or some people say, well, I'm happy to believe in God, but Jesus being the Son of God, Jesus being God in the flesh, I don't like that. But the two come together because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that if we believe we should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the free gift of God, therefore you must go to God and say, God, I receive that gift. Now, there here is a problem for many people because they say, I don't like this God. I didn't ask him to send Jesus. I'm very happy living my own life. I'm not going to bow the knee to anybody. Wait, 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 wait. Pause for a bit. If God is the eternal uncreated being, none other like him, everything that exists came from him. He created us all. Please, please, don't argue with ultimate reality. Because whatever life you're living, whatever Uh, truth that you adopt for yourself, whatever reality you construct for yourself, if it is not the reality that comes from God and the reality, the only reality, the ultimate reality, you are putting yourself on the wrong side of reality. Don't fight this. Now, I'm not going to push you on this point. I just ask you, please, think about it. Think about what you're doing. Because if there is only one God, And I think that is a very logical uh, viewpoint, very logical viewpoint. It's what the Bible teaches, but it's a very logical viewpoint. I will enter into description and explanation of that on another occasion. I can't do everything at this particular point. But put it this way, if God is everything He claimed to be, if He exists, if the Bible comes from Him, you don't have to understand the whole Bible to know that God is speaking to you. People know that God speaks in the Bible even if they can't accept every part of it, I understand your struggles with that. But God has spoken to us, not just in a book, he's spoken to us in a person. The book tells us about the person. That's Jesus Christ, who is, in many ways, the most admired person of all history. Many people, even atheists, respect Jesus. But it's more than respecting him, it's acknowledging that he is God's gift offered to you. Only God can do it. And this is where the supernatural element comes in. This is not just about being persuaded, like in an an intellectual way, or in an emotional way. It's not just about what the processes of your human mind or your emotions, although we engage both when we fellowship with God. It's more than that. It is a supernatural Operation of the Holy Spirit that the Bible says, being born again. It is the revelation of God to your heart, and that's what the Holy Spirit promises to do. Whenever we are speaking about Jesus, the Holy Spirit is at work drawing people. He is drawing you to Him far more eloquently and persuasively than the simple words I'm bringing to you. Today. God is speaking to your heart. He is calling you, come home, find fellowship with me. And then only God can do it. And this eternal life is a quality of life. You don't wait to heaven till you get this eternal life. It begins now. But the fullness of it will only happen when the whole of this world is transformed by Jesus Christ and He manifests His presence. Everywhere as it is now in heaven, so it shall be on earth. That's why we pray, our Father in heaven, may your holy name be honoured. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants to bring his heaven to this earth. That will happen when Jesus returns. But in the meantime, he is with us now. And we have this gift of eternal life, supernaturally implanted in our hearts just as we received a natural life from our birth parents so now we receive a supernatural life from God and how to enter that life it's very simple two words they're very simple words they sound religious but they're not repent and believe we repent every day repent simply means change your mind you change your mind believe well we believe lots of things every day but when it comes to God, we repent before Him and we say, God, I change what I believe about you. I believed you were a monster. I believe you didn't exist. I believe that you were cruel. I believe that you were some kind of negative influence or even some kind of influence that's not, that I can't get to know. But I now see that you are a loving Creator God who sent Jesus and so you repent you, you change what you believe about God and that is profound that repentance that change of mind and change of heart will begin to work out in your life gradually so you begin to live the new life don't say, I don't want to become a Christian because I, I, I don't like the Bible. I, I don't like this. I, I won't be able to keep it up. No, no, no. You will be changed. You will receive a new life. And that new life will manifest in you. The Bible called it, Jesus calls it, being born again. So it is repentance towards God, but faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's as simple, and I'm not saying it's easy, it's profound, but it's actually very simple. And this is the big thing. People are asking, even people today have been writing, and what do I do? What do I do? I want to get to know God, how? Here is how. Determine in your heart, right now, that you want this, okay? If you want this, this is what you do. You say to him, I transfer my trust from myself and I put it in the hands of God. I put my trust in him and especially in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. What that is, is receiving this gift. And he's not going to force it on you. And, And in a moment I'm going to lead you in a prayer which you can pray out loud after me, which will help you through this. It's not my prayer that's going to make any big difference, but it's it's from your heart. If these words suit and match what you want to do, I, I will lead you in, in a prayer as you transfer your trust from yourself to Christ. Now, before I, I do that, I want to encourage you. The moment you step out as a new believer in Christ, you're like a a baby, you're, you're born again. You'll need to grow. You'll need to stay in connection with others who can help you and encourage you. And I know that there are people watching literally from all over the world right now, people who are not part of this church, and this isn't about joining this church. And I, I encourage though, our believers who, who are part of the Kensington Temple Church community that the, the, the eternal life that God gives you is not just for a ticket to heaven it's about living life in its fullness and abundance and serving Jesus Christ and following him and being a disciple of Jesus Christ and and those of you who are ready to make this decision we'll be talking to you about that in other ways we want you to be in touch with us now I, I suggest there are probably around uh, three different categories of people um, and the response I'm asking you to consider is either a big yes, a little yes, or a healthy maybe. (laughs) What do I mean? A big yes is you've said, you know what, this is what I've been waiting to hear, I believe it, I'm ready, go for it, okay? Then there is a little yes. Uh, And what that is somebody who's saying do you know what I, I don't understand fully I, 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 but I, I, am, I promise to keep an open mind I'm going to look into this I've got an open mind I'm not saying no I'm not shutting this out but I'm going to find answers to some questions I have and, and sometimes this is a process and we're patient with people and people are patient with me so it's not about forcing you but then uh, so there's a big yes little yes and then um, a healthy maybe is somebody who says, well, you know, it doesn't appeal to me, but I'm not going to close the door finally. So people who's ready to say a big yes, others say, I'm not so sure, but I'm going to explore further. And others, a healthy maybe, says, well, all right, I'm not closing the door. I don't see it. I'm not convinced by this, but I'm not going to close the door. And so those are the three responses. And so I'm going to pray into the first response, which is the big yes and then I'll address the others. Here here is the kind of prayer. I've prayed a prayer like this. It's not scripted or recited, but it's just putting forward a form of words that could very well express what is going on in your heart right now. And so every believer, please pray as we we pray with people here and now. So here it is. I'm going to pray this prayer uh, line by line. And if this resonates with you, I want you to say it. You can say it out loud or in your heart. It doesn't really matter. But this is a prayer in which you are going to say, yes, you're going to receive God's gift of eternal life. So this is for you. Let us pray. Repeat this. Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you now and I am prepared to transfer my trust from myself and place it in Christ. Especially what he did for me on the cross. Therefore I thank you Lord Jesus that you died for me. That you took my sin. That you took my penalty that you died my death that I might live your life. I now turn from everything that I know to be wrong and I depend on the supernatural power of God to change my heart and work in my life from within. Father, my heavenly Father, I'm coming home in relationship with you. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for making me a child of God. Amen.